Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. All right, you guys, we have a very special guest today. Ashley, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Okay, so Ashley, you guys, runs a company called Of Space and Mind. She's an organization guru. Um, I have the official talking points, but I will somehow butcher what you do. So I will just let you explain what exactly being an organization guru is and what, what you do for your clients. Well, that is a very lofty title, guru. I don't know if I would uh, say the same about myself, but um, High Level of Space and Mind is an organization company. We help you know, people in homes or businesses create systems to improve their life. Um, my perspective is, you know, it's, it's a very holistic solution. We are looking to not make you the best in the world at organization, but the best in the world at life. And we believe that organization, good systems um, can help unlock that. So that's really what we are um, aiming for. And, you know, my role is just to facilitate that. And oftentimes I'm just, you know, creating the space for it in their life, um, giving them permission to focus on it. Totally. So do you feel like, okay, because I know you work with um, like companies and organizations, but you also work with individuals like with their homes. So when people come to you, like what is the most common issue where they're like, this, like, this is the reason I came to you. I'm, I'm really struggling at home. Help me. I would say that our business has sort of followed my life a little bit, um, you know, just as a business owner, as I've grown up and become a mom, the, the clients that we see has changed a little bit too. So, um, you know, in, in 2018, when we started, I was living in New York and, um, you know, our focus a lot was small spaces, space optimization. Sure. How do I fit everything in my tiny 800 square foot apartment in New York? Um, where do I store my suitcases? Like that, you know, so we became really good at that. And that is still a huge part of our business is getting creative, you know, really working within small spaces. But now I'm also, as I've built a family and become a mom myself, we definitely reach clients that um, are looking for that perspective as well. And so their challenges are a little bit different. Um, it's like, how do I make, uh, how do I build a nursery that functions really well? And how do I organize my playroom? And, um, you know, I'm drowning in kids stuff. How do I stay on top of swapping in clothes and toys and that kind of thing? Oh um, I already have so many questions. Like just you even saying those things, I'm like, no, yes. Tell me all of those things. Um, but before I use this as my personal consultation, um, <laughs> which is what I want to do, what gave you the idea to start the business? Because I feel like there, for every business owner, there's some aha moment where you're like, oh, like this could be my job. I should, this is like my, my calling. What, like, what was that for you? Totally. Um, so before starting A Space in Mind, I worked for a number of startups and I always found myself sort of gravitating towards roles where there was like an operational function. Yeah. Um, I love defining problems and then building solutions for them. The last role I had was as head of marketing. And so organizing was a huge part of my role, you know, coordinating people, defining our branded mm -hmm. identity, organizing huge events, running campaigns, and even part as part of that, um, on the brand side, helping the company design and build offices across the country. So, you know, I was living in New York, as I mentioned at the time. Um, 
but my space was always really important to me. So, you know, as I had this crazy, hectic startup life um, at work, I always like needed to come home and have a kitchen I could cook in and like a, you know, a place for everything. And so I invested a lot of time in optimizing these like tiny apartments that I was living in. And, um, you know, I like to cook. So I, and I meal prepped. So unlike, unlike a lot of New Yorkers, uh, a functional kitchen actually mattered to me, even if I had like two feet of counter space. So yeah, that's not a life. I don't remember. I, I said to my husband the other day, what did we eat for the like decade? Well, I don't remember ever cooking. I think we ate out or got takeout every night. So I'm really impressed that you, you had that. It was just, it just always, I don't know, maybe it's a little, I'm Canadian. I'm from Toronto. So like part of me is like, maybe it's just a little bit of my sort of like homebody Canadian roots. I'm not sure. Um, but actually the first time my husband ever came to, he was my husband at the time, obviously came to my apartment. He, I'll never forget. He like opened my fridge and shut it and then opened it again and was like, this is like a real adult fridge. There's like food and stuff in here. And I was like, what? What do you mean? Like, of course there's food in there. Oh, you mean and, you didn't just have like a single bud heavy in his fridge like my husband did when I met him? Yeah. That's, well, that's, that's the thing is his fridge, the instructions from the fridge was still taped inside. There wasn't even hot sauce, like not even a single condiment. There was like a couple beers. Yeah, and probably that's somebody have used it. Yeah, totally. exactly. Um, anyway, so the point is that people would come over and sort of like make these comments about like, oh, you've really transformed this space. I can't believe how well you've, um, you know, what you've done with this like tiny space or like how cool is that closet system? So I think it was like in those small moments that I started to realize that this was something I could offer the world, that it would, it became, it was like so natural to me that I almost hadn't recognized it as a skill. Yeah. And in doing, you know, in, in, in kind of like those small comments, I realized after a lot of like soul searching that this was, this was something I could do and I could do something I loved and I wanted to educate myself on and I could help people in a very like one-to-one level. I love that. I do. I find it relatable to my, my story as well, but I think that, yeah, when, when it's something to your, I think you said it so well, like you didn't even know how good you were at it, but it's when other people are like, tell me more about how you did X, Y, Z. You hear that enough. And suddenly it's like, wait, I, my, my kitchen is amazing. My small space is so much more optimized than everyone else. Um, so you got the idea to do it. And I wonder, like, did you ever have any fears that because I know I had these these thoughts when I was very, you know, early on in deciding to start my business. Like, I think this is a service people want and I know I could help people, but like any hesitation in like, you know, how am I going to get people to like be willing to spend money to organize their home? And like, how did you go about like marketing yourself and like kind of setting yourself up apart from maybe others in this kind of space? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course, there's tons of fear that goes into you know, running your own business. It's a constant. My husband's always like, you're either complaining it's too busy or that it's not busy enough. And it, yeah. Um, so, but, but in the beginning I felt, I set myself a timeline and said, you know what, I'm going to do it for X amount of time. I had saved X amount so I could do it without like it affecting our, you know, our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was really starting from the ground up. I had nothing built. Like I wasn't like doing it as a side hustle or anything. I was starting from scratch and, and 
so I, I just felt like what was the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing that could happen is that it doesn't work. And then I go back and find a job, you know, doing something else. And so I think having that timeline at that check-in point gave me the space to explore it. And without like every week being like, is this working? Is this working? I was like, no, I'm working towards this like check-in right. goal. So that helped a lot. And I will also say that the timing was very serendipitous because, um, Marie Kondo's show had just launched on Netflix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. And, and so everybody was like, I want to spark joy. And a lot of people had <laughs> seen it. People who had like, you know, it kind of created a category for professional organizing that yeah. wasn't just like something that the suburban mom like does in her spare time, like not real, sure. uh, not a real thing. No, I'm or a, like so, you're Kim Kardashian and it's like, it's only like a celebrity, like a exactly. sort of fake job. It's like a real thing. Exactly. Like it's more than just like stacking Oreos or color coding books. Like it's, right. you know, it's so, and so it was very serendipitous because a lot of people wanted it because of the show and also they understood it in a different level. So we weren't yeah. like educating as much. And then Instagram has been our largest platform. It's that, you know, we can, yeah. we can showcase our work, the before and after. So again, once people come to us, they come to us with like a ton of intent, as I'm sure they do with you. They're like, please help me. Right. <laughs> um, right. And so I think that the, the combination of all of those things just allowed me to stay sort of like true in my, in my path. And that was four years ago. Yeah, that's amazing. So, okay, if you were being, like, totally honest, what is the most, like, fun part about your job that you personally love? And what is the thing that, like, if you didn't have to do it, you would give it give it away very quickly? Hmm. The, the most fun part of what we do is the transformation. I mean, we get to take something that is like totally chaotic and turn it into something that's like beautiful and functional and can totally transform how like a family, you know, lives their day to day or an individual. So that's really rewarding. Um, and it happens really, uh, I'm not going to say quickly because that's not necessarily true. It depends on the project, but, uh, the turnaround time is relatively quick in terms of its success. So, you know, it's It's not like, exactly exactly where they're like yeah we'll check in on this exactly in a few years and then you'll feel the impact we're like no like in you know in five days we can have truly transformed this space um so i think that that's kind of what like keeps us like addicted to the next project um and i like to like the 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 more chaotic the space the more i'm like let me at it like let me i can do this like i can make this so much better um, it's a very so, Monica Geller look at like, yeah. <laughs> angle. it's like, yeah. give me the problem. I will clean this. I will fix exactly. It. And it's like feeding some like sick urge inside of me to like, want. Totally. like I'm like, you know, yeah. we all have like a reason why this is like so, so meaningful to us. Right. Like there's something deep down that we have to like unpack one day, but we're helping people. Yeah. Our inner child or something there for sure. <laughs> something. Something. Um, I would say the hardest part, and this is nothing, something that, Unfortunately, I'll never really be able to give up, but, um, is there's a lot of physicality what we do. Like it, it, it takes, it's very taxing. You know, we are, um, you know, schlepping and running around and peeling stickers and bending and lifting and carrying heavy boxes. And, um, I like how physical it is. I mean, I spent 10 years at a desk and now I spend one day at my computer and I'm like achy and sore and like, just, you know, it's just not for me. 
Um, I like the getting out in the world and doing and working with my hands. Um, but it's very taxing. I get home and I'm spent. Sure. Um, like it's also a lot of... Into like a renovation of someone's playroom, I'm sure, is like very taxing. Totally. Um, but I love that, you know, when I'm in it, it's like I'm not thinking of my to-do list. I'm not worried about the thing. I'm so focused and I'm like most energized by when I'm on site and, you know, we're creating, we're solving problems, I'm making a million decisions a day. Where should this go? Where should that go? Does this work? What product should we use? Are these colors flowing? Does this feel right? You know, so it's, it's definitely a lot of like mental and physical, um, you know, it's mentally and physically taxing, but it's right. also like oddly what energizes me. No, I, I totally relate to that. Um, and you had mentioned like what products you use. So do you have like certain brands or like contacts like people who have kind of like adjacent expertise like interior designers or like a furniture or like people that you kind of collaborate with ever like do you ever get somebody who's like just bought a house and they're basically like I need you to help me like design this and like make it look presentable um so we don't do design we'll definitely collaborate with a designer to you know look at the functionality of spaces right um, and closets and things like that. Um, so we're kind of the last mile of, of a right. construction project unless we want to, um, unless they want us to consult. You know, we just did a consult on this completely custom house and the client just wanted us to look at the kitchen and the pantry and just provide comments on like, does this feel right? Like, are we going to have enough space for things based on our inventory? So we'll we'll make comments on that kind of thing. Um Otherwise, we'll collaborate with a designer, you know, mostly to make sure that things feel right. And what, okay, that like sparked a question for me. And I want to make sure I get quickly soon to a couple of the listener questions Mm -hmm. that that I posted on Instagram. But I do feel like kitchen organization, I remember every time I've moved, it's like you're thinking, you're like looking around and you're like, where should the cups go? Mm -hmm. Like how, like where should things be at eye level in the pantry? Do you have any like maybe not even tips, but like most common mistakes, you go into someone's kitchen and you're like, why do people always put the cutlery here? That's always a bad idea. Like, is there anything that always jumps out at you that you're like, I wish people knew they should do this differently and just make their life a lot easier Mm -hmm. in the kitchen? So when it comes to a kitchen, we want to think about things in zones. So you want to group things based on how you're going to use them, not necessarily always based on type. So Rather than, um, you know, having all of your like small appliances in a, in a cupboard that's maybe not super accessible when you use your Instant Pot once a week, like it may be moving your Instant Pot, something, Instant Pot somewhere that's a little bit untraditional so that you can reach it more. So it's really getting honest about how you use things um, and then building the space around that. So for example, in our house, um, I, we're, you know, big on breakfast and And so we have kind of like a whole coffee breakfast cupboard, which sounds kind of strange. It has supplements and it has mugs and it has our blender and it has our toaster. So it's like everything in one place that I can like make my coffee, make my greens, greens, whatever, make my smoothie in the morning and toast my kids toast. And I'm standing in one place to do it, not going to like 15 other places. My kids drawers right there. Um, so everything is kind of blowing my mind. (laughs) I'm like thinking through my kitchen. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm doing everything. That is so true. I have like all the kids stuff in a cabinet, which makes no sense. Half of it, no one's even using anymore. Half of it we use every day and I have to go all the way to the other side 
to get like the adult plates and stuff, which is with like the Christmas plates that we use for one month of the year. Exactly. So it's like, it's about just, um, you know, putting things closer to where you want to use them. So, you know, another really basic one is make sure your dishware, your glassware and your cutlery, like ideally are sort of close to one another because then you can A, set the table more easily and B, unload the dishwasher and you're kind of going to one spot. You're not going to like 15 spots in your kitchen. Um, and if somebody's setting the table and you're making dinner, you're not like bumping into one another, um, because it's like everything's so spread out. So I think that that's a big one. One thing that's like a personal preference of mine is I think it's really gross to have, um, cutlery over the trash. Like Ah. I, we see that a lot. Um, mine is shit. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm about to have to cancel my next my next podcast recording because I gotta go. I gotta go. Oh no! I'm so sorry. Recycling is that just as bad? It's probably just as bad. It's over the recycling. I mean, it's probably not actually that gross, but it's a weird kind of just mental block for me that I'm like, your cutlery is just going in your mouth. Like, just put it. You know, usually I would say like, put your dish towels there. You know, something like that that isn't something that you're ingesting. And another funny thing we see is so often people will buy cutlery inserts, you know, drawer organizers, but 99% of the kitchens, and I'm interested to see your response, they're flipped around. So the small section, which is for like the small spoons, are at the front as opposed to at the back. So you're reaching over the small spoons to get the knives and the forks and everything else. Oh, okay. I, I'm I'm really glad that at least one of your three red flags I only have. That's the one I do right. I will show you right now if you do, I, we do have the small spoons, so it's like lined up straight and then the back. Yes, exactly. Okay, which we don't use very often. So. No, ex- that's the point, right? It's so it's all thing. about accessibility. It's like you don't want to reach yes. over the thing every day that you're not actually, you know, to get to the things that you actually need. That's the purpose of all of this is just function. Okay. I'm so intrigued by those things that now before I ask the listener questions, just because I'm being greedy, then what would you say are the ones for whatever the most popular room is you, you do? If it's people's closets, if it's playrooms, if it's living rooms, bedrooms, like whatever that room is that you do the most often, what are the, the same things there? Like two or three things that people always do wrong. Uh, I don't want to define it as wrong because <laughs> it is a bit subjective, of course. Sure. Um, and you know, for example, in in the closet, which we often, you know, of course we do a lot of closets, um, you know, we want to prioritize the space where you can reach for the stuff that you're using more frequently. So we see that often, you know, isn't quite right. Or um, there's a lot of missed opportunity for storage, you know, the backs of the doors, like maybe the hangers that they're using aren't streamlined. Like the, the smallest changes can make the biggest amount of difference in a closet. Sure. Like all matching hangers, not only streamlines the look, it makes it feel a lot less um, busy, but you also save space with like a streamlined hanger. So that's the first thing we'll do is like swap out all the hangers. Um, yes. 
And the way that you your fold is is so critical to space and to your ability to see stuff so that you don't like have to reach under to grab a t-shirt and then your whole pile falls over. If you're using like a file folding method, you can see everything that you have and you can more easily grab what you need without wrecking the whole drawer. So I think those are probably like, you know, not streamlining hangers, not prioritizing, you know, your kind of most accessible space for the everyday and then not using like good folding techniques to save space in a drawer or on a shelf. So what you said file folder folding. File folding, yeah. File folding. So what does that look like? Is that like rolling it in a ball facing up so you can see like everything in a row? Yes, except it's not a ball. It's more just like you basically doing if you were to do like a traditional fold for on a shelf, mm -hmm. you know, where you just fold it in and fold it once over. So hard to explain. Right. Um no, yeah, I think yeah, we know what that means we would just fold it another time depending on the depth of your drawers because you're folding it usually you fold to, depending on the depth um you fold it one more time so that you're able to store it upright and stacked right. kind of filed it's yeah kind of hard no to... that makes sense okay i totally know what you mean because then you can see all of them at once because i definitely have that problem where i just can't see. i'm just like reaching in the dark basically trying to exactly and therefore you don't wear the stuff, right? You can't see everything and then you don't wear all the stuff. Um, okay, so I will ask some of the questions that we got. So there were a couple that had to do specifically with toys. More than one person had asked about toys in small spaces, which I'm sure you can speak to. Um, but the example I put in the, of all of them was uh, Carrie said, how do I organize my kids' toys but make it look aesthetically pleasing? So... When it comes to kids' toys, I think having the right storage solution, I mean, really when it comes to anything, um, having the right storage solution is critical to creating like a system that's going to work over time. So if you're in a small space, it's maximizing whatever wall or floor space you have for toys, getting the right, you know, whether it's a cabinet or a set of drawers or it's a cube system whatever fits in your space to maximize the amount of toys that you're able to put in there and then committing to that being your area for toys. Um, knowing that it's one of those categories that's always going to grow and it's going to be ever evolving. You're probably never going to have less toys than you do today. Um, so at least until your kids are older. So, you know, you really want to commit to what's a appropriate for the size of the space that you live in so that you are not drowning in stuff because that doesn't serve anybody. And, you know, there's also lots of studies that say that it's also not super beneficial for the child either to be um, overrun with options. So right. I think picking a really good storage system is, is important. Um, we love the Trofast system from Ikea as an example. It has mm -hmm. built-in bins. They're really nice and deep on the bottom. Great for cars and trucks and building, you know, uh, magnet tiles and Legos and things like that. Yeah. Um, and it's actually pretty small as a system. So good for small spaces. We love a cube system where you can add bins, um, and then keep things kind of divided in, into categories. And I think that's really important too, is categorizing toys by type. Yes. So that cleanup is easier and playtime can be like a little bit more focused so that it's like, they're not dumping a huge bin of stuff that has a whole bunch of, you know, mismatched toys in it. Um, cause that just makes your life a lot harder is, and it makes them, and they don't play with it. And exactly. Like, you do the cube system. And I found when, once we had a, three kids and there was just enough toys that 
me laying everything out cutely just was a disaster. I found that they started playing with stuff a lot more when it was like a whole cube was just the train set, a whole cube was magnet tiles, as opposed exactly. to just a bin of toys, which is just, they just dump it and no one plays with anything. No one plays with anything and then you're just left to clean it up and you're like, ugh. Right. As you're cleaning up, you're left with so much decision fatigue. Like that's what we're trying to get away from is like you being like, where does this go? Where should this go? What does this match to? It's like, no, it's just, this is all trains and it just goes back in the train van. Done. Right. Such a good point. Um, Okay. And there were a couple of questions about nurseries. Um, Mm -hmm. Peggy said, our nursery is also our family's guest room. Do you have any tips for the coexistence of those spaces? Mm Mm-hmm. So the good news is that babies generally don't need a ton of space. So it's a it's a easier coexistence than some other spaces. I think if you haven't invested in furniture, um, purchasing a mini crib could be a great way to save space. Mm-hmm. I also, um, I really like a good dresser when it comes to babies because you can hold so much because their stuff is really small. You can hold so much and it can double as a changing table. So I say if you haven't already invested in furniture and there is space for that, I think a great dresser will um, give you a lot of storage and you could always have a removable topper on it that, you know, if a guest were to stay, you just take, say you have a kikaroo or, you know, some sort of peanut on the top, you just take that whole thing out and then, you know, there's a little bit more space for your guests and maybe that even allows you to leave a little bit of space in the closet for guests to hang their things when they come. I love that. Um, and another, uh, question about nursery. So Katie asked, my nursery has no overhead lighting yet. What would you suggest I add a floor lamp, a dresser lamp? I would say add both. I think it's really nice to have options for lighting, um, to create different moods, especially in a baby's room. So I would probably add a floor lamp close. If you have a, say a rocking chair that you're going to feed in or, you know, read books in eventually do story time. It's really nice to have a, a, a floor lamp there that you can easily reach and turn on and off. Um, and then I'd probably add at least one more light, you know, maybe near your cha- change table so that you have like a bit more focused light for changing diapers and getting dressed and things like that. Um, just investing in like sturdier pieces, knowing that your baby will eventually be a toddler and they very easily get into everything. They sure do. Yep. Learn that the hard way. You can also, uh, I'd recently, sorry to interrupt. I No, no. T- please tell me all the things. I recently, I really also like sconces like, and you can buy really cool battery operated sconces these days. So you don't have to hardwire no them. I just bought uh, a set on Amazon that I'm going to put into this like weird, creepy, dark hallway that we have. And, um, I'm going to flank them over a mirror and it, it comes with a little remote. So you can, you know, you can, you charge the light bulb and you, so you don't need any hard wiring and you just attach it to the wall and then you can change, um, the light up and down. And so I think that's a really nice way to add a bit of additional lighting, a little bit of a design feature, um, and no cords. And you know what would be great? What you guys who are listening, will put a link to that product mm-hmm. that you got and then there was something else cool that you mentioned earlier anything you talk about guys we will we'll link great so you can grab yeah. them. um okay that is really cool i didn't know that you could get ones that were battery operated because that that's actually held me back when i've wanted it for more of the aesthetic but i'm like i'm just not interested right now in getting like the electrician in here i'm just i'm too lazy uh too busy so yeah. our last question that i i put in here so joanna asked how do you design a space for a toddler playroom and a rowing machine? They're both in the same basement. Mm-hmm. So we just did our 
we just redid our basement playroom. Um, so I hear you. It was something that we struggled with as well. We had like a Peloton and a pool table and then some toys just like tossed down there. And on my maternity leave, it was sort of my, my project. Like, okay, we're going to have two kids now. We need to have a space that they can play in safely. Um, so we, we ended up actually taking out a closet, which you'd probably find shocking as an organizer that I would like actually remove a closet, but it, there was a closet in this tiny room that made the room slightly less tiny and a little bit more usable. And we built a gym. So we built a really small home gym, put all of the equipment in there and built like a kind of backstock pantry off of it. Um, Mm -hmm. because suburban living means I need like 15 rolls of paper towel at all times, of course. Um, and so then I was able to create a little bit more of a designated playroom. So I'd say if there's any way to get creative about your space, um, then I would start there. You know, a playroom I think is like the most functional space when you have a, a, a young kids, a place for them to go, especially if you have any sort of help, a nanny, something like that, and you're, or you're trying to work from home, I think giving them a designated space is so important. So if you, if there are any flexibility there to create space, I would say like, try, you know, try and look at it with a new lens and see if you can carve something out. Otherwise, um, you could invest in some sort of room divider that maybe doubles as storage. So like a cube system, as I mentioned, like that could be a great way to create that separation or maybe you invest in an actual room divider. Um, they have some really cute ones on the market these days so that also you can be on your rowing machine and not like looking at the mess of toys. So like partially it's for you. Um, totally. and you can, you know, keep, keep the kids a little away from the machine. And I'll actually, well, I'm going to run it by you make sure you think it's good enough, but I have a room divider, which I like in my room because my office is also my bedroom and I put it up truly for like, it's like a mental thing. Like exactly. I want to feel like I, you know, I make the bed and I make the bedroom look nice, but I want to feel like I've stepped into the office and I'm in office mode. Yes. I'm not in like family home mode. And so you're not like looking over your shoulder, like, Ooh, I should move that or exactly. it's, it's distracting. Totally distracting. Um, okay. I love that. So before we go, I want to talk, we, cause we thought it'd be fun. We did this with, um, with another, another guest as well. Talk through like some sleep stuff. Oh. So, Okay, tell me, so you have two sons, right? Or is, is Rowan a boy or a girl? A girl. So I okay. have a two-and-a-half-year-old Hunter and a baby girl, Rowan, who's just six months old. So I feel yeah. like I'm just sort of coming out of the fog, which perhaps yeah. you hear often. Um, my gosh, I feel like I've won the lottery. I'm like, what question do I ask you? No, um, don't make it too hard because this is like live, and what if I, I mean, I'll, I don't think that. I'm sure. I'm hard to stump these days, to be honest. And I feel like there's nothing really original anymore. It's just like, it's all the same stuff, just packaged differently. Although maybe I'm wrong. You tell me. Um, Okay. So what do I want to ask you? Rowan Hunter was a really good sleeper. He slept through the night at nine weeks and it it was a dream. And with Rowan, it's been a a lot more of a struggle. I think we finally got nights under control at five months on the dot. We did sleep training and it was the best thing mm-hmm. ever and in like a week she was sleeping through the night which is crazy so I'm a big fan of like following a sleep program of course someone like me mm-hmm. loves structure so I'm like just tell me what to do and I will do it sure and it works so quickly but naps are still a challenge for us yes. so she's not connecting sleep cycles it seems like and it's just yeah. a lot of inconsistency so it's impossible to plan your day around 
for being able to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would love your advice there. Yes. Well, I will start by saying when we get off the call, we can talk through an actual schedule. But for this, for timing's sake, mm-hmm. I would say the biggest things with the naps, first of all, to your point, that is like everyone's problem. Okay. Like night, I, I'm almost like suspicious if I have a client who's like, oh, naps are perfect and we just struggle at night because it's a different type of sleep. Like there's no melatonin being released in her body. There's no environmental pressure. You guys are all awake, right? It's just different. Mm-hmm. So most babies, their night sleep, even if they come to me with like, everything's a disaster, their night sleep comes together pretty quickly and naps usually take a little bit longer. So that's just my caveat to tell you it's normal. Um, But the biggest things from my perspective that help are looking at it from the perspective less of like you're doing mental math every day, like, oh, she woke up at this time and this nap should be, you know, 90 minutes later, two hours later. Like you're not looking at wake windows anymore. It's for newborn, sure. But at this point, it's like her nap is at this time. And your job is to offer her the nap and she can decide whether or not she wants to take it. So this is going to depend obviously on your comfort level, your parenting style, like anything from your sitting in the room the whole time, the second she's crying, or you don't intervene at all and anything in between. But if the nap is, this is a made up time, her nap is at 8am and it ends at 930, then that's when she's in the crib. Because a lot of this is giving her a chance to work on the skill. It's kind of like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Like if you have, you know, if she's waking up after 45 minutes sometimes and you're just like, okay, I guess her nap is over and you get her up, then she didn't have the chance to work on connecting the sleep cycle, Mm -hmm. right? It's like if a baby was trying to learn how to walk and they fell down and you were like, oh, never mind, I didn't know you were going to fall. I'll just carry you. It's like, okay, well, they have to fall a few times to figure out how to do it, right? So a lot of it is about just getting in the reps and then having a schedule. So like, basically having this nap time where you're giving her that time in the crib, even if she doesn't fall back asleep initially. Um, but having the set schedule too means her body starts to learn to adapt to when she's supposed mm-hmm. to sleep. Obviously you can have a, a wrong schedule, right? If, if she's really overtired or napping way too close together, a schedule would be irrelevant. But like with the assumption, the schedule makes sense for her age and, and all that and her bedtime. Then if you're being put in the crib at the same time, every single day, you start to get tired at the same time every day, right? And it becomes kind of like a self-fulfilling cycle. Interesting. Um, So those are two big things. And the last one is, I mean, there's a million things. The other like big thing to think about is how she's being put down. Like, do you feed her to sleep, rock her to sleep, get her to drowsy? No, not really. We just, we're big on like sleep sack. You know, it's kind of like a little bit of a ritual, but it's not very long. Yeah. Mostly because you're wrestling like another child. (laughs) Um, But it's like sleep sack, sound machine, change your diaper, in the crib, like totally awake. That's great. So that is like going to set you up for more success. I think then your challenges are just getting her on the right schedule and Mm -hmm. then being really consistent. Even if she wakes up after 45 minutes, you still don't get her up. Those are your only two things because that third one for some babies is like that was the big red flag is they were being put down asleep, which understandably if you know if someone rocked you to sleep and you woke up yeah not being like, rocked you would be confused too yeah need, where am I I need, my, I need my rocking chair yeah yes. I need my boob I need whatever the thing is so you've already gotten over that hump and it sounds like you have like a short routine that's great um she's not like terrified when you leave the room because she's no. down awake and it's fine so it's just a matter of her sleeping at the right times and like giving her enough space to figure it out and then she's you know she has days where the naps aren't great not being like which, I mean, 
even personally, this can be hard, the things in general. Not like spiraling and catastrophizing like, okay, the schedule's wrong, something's wrong, she's sick. It's like she's a human and some days she's yes. not going to nap as well and like that's okay. I mean, my daughter yesterday, I heard her an hour and she's on one nap. I heard her an hour into the nap. I was downstairs working and she, I was I heard like, gah, 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 gah. and I was like, what is she doing? Like, why would she be awake an hour into her nap? But like, I don't know. She had a day. She's fine today. But I mean, my son is two and a half and all of a sudden he's an amazing sleeper, as I mentioned. And all of a sudden he just chills in his crib for two hours. He doesn't sleep. He just lays there, plays, yeah. takes off his socks. He's not unhappy, but he is not interested in napping. And we are just like, I mean, you tell me, correct me, but we're like, you, you, you there's no way you, you're done with naps. No. Is no, he? He's not. No. Okay. Nope. It's just like a period and of time. I will tell you and uh, anybody who's listening, if you, if this is resonating with you, go back and listen to, I think it was like my third or fourth episode, but it's one of the most downloaded ones I've ever done, which is called stop. Don't drop that toddler's nap because so many parents, understandably, you see them doing that for a week or two and you're like, well, I guess they're done with their nap, yeah. but it's a growth spurt. Okay. For some babies when, and toddlers, when they're growing, like some, it impacts their sleep. Some, it doesn't, you never really notice, mm-hmm. but for ones where it is impacting their sleep, props to you because he's not screaming because he's happy and content in his sleep environment and his crib or bed, whatever. is not like a scary thing nope. that he hates, but his brain is still in overdrive. He's probably working on some big skill right now. You're probably going to have him, you know, talking in full sentences and like arguing with you or we already have that. <laughs> You're like, you know, we're already there. Like, no, we're already there. Some, some sort of growth thing going on. Um, but as long as you stay consistent, I mean, in some ways it's the same concept with Rowan. It's like, you're always doing the same thing even when they're not, right? And, like, then they get over the hump. And then in a few weeks, he'll be back to napping. Right. And, of course, there are scheduling nuances we can talk about offline, too, right? If his nap is at the wrong time, of course, if you're putting him down at 11 a.m., that would explain it. Mm-hmm. He's not tired enough, right? But He goes down at 1 and then no, that's great. 12.31, and that's kind of always what we've done. But, yeah, if there's a way to – if there's a – if there's something we should do to adjust that, I feel like I don't want to take advantage, but I do have one more question. Tell so, me. No, I mean, everyone's listening probably is like taking notes too. So it's um, okay. So you mentioned that they go down at the same time every day. So for Rowan, if she, so today she woke up at six mm-hmm. instead of seven so yesterday, I woke her up at seven fifteen. So it just kind of varies. Um, do I, so I've been putting her down two hours after she wakes up. That's kind of what I was right. thinking her wake window should be. So today she went down at 8.15. She slept till 9, exactly 45 minutes. Should I be waiting to her normal night nap time, which would be 9? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like pushing right. it. Just do, exactly. Like you do the nap the same time every day, regardless of when she wakes up. Okay. And you also would give yourself, you know, I would tell any client, like give yourself a little bit of a window in the morning. It's not like if 7 a.m. is her wake up and she's crying at 6.50, you're like, no, you have to lay there for 10 more minutes. Like you give yourself a reasonable window, Yeah. but I wouldn't make it more than about 30 minutes because then if, if she's physically getting out of the crib at six, yes. Like for a six month old, making it to 9am is going to be tough. But I think it's, it's good to remember that like, and obviously it's a little bit different if she's crying, but if you're not getting her up every time she wakes up early, that, that will stop happening. Um, it's still better for her to be like in a dark room by herself, like with her little baby thoughts than like, free balling around the house with you, you know, mm-hmm. like for a six month old, like that's, that's like a concert. That's super fun. Like being out with you, hanging out. <laughs> so that is still like more relaxing. Like I was telling a client recently, it's like the equivalent of saying like you were at a Metallica concert or you were like sitting on your bed reading a book. Yeah. You were awake for both of those things, 
but like one of them is taking a lot more of like your energy and like right yes. than than the other and it's kind of the same thing from her perspective so my point being she won't be even if she has mornings where she wakes up early you won't be as stressed like oh she's going to be exhausted because she'll mm-hmm. she'll be fine yeah, and she's a very happy, easy baby generally. Like she's got a really good disposition. And so I could definitely push her a little bit. I think just knowing that from you, again, like I'm just the type of person that I'm um, like, just give me the, the schedule, just give me the structure, tell me what I should be doing, and I will stick with that. Cause like I'll, and I'll stick with it until it works or adjust it. But I'm not, I, I find it, you know, I want structure. I want, I want answers. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> totally. I feel like we probably, I mean, I think we have a lot of similarities just because of the type of work that we are passionate about, but I yeah. think we probably attract the same type of people, right? I like to say that I attract people who are used to being good at things. Yes. And they are not happy that they're not good at this. And like strangely no competitive, like with yourself yeah, just, almost, like right, why can't yourself. I figure yeah. this out? Totally. I hear that a lot. Like just frustration, like this shouldn't be so hard. This is very like New York, LA too. Yeah, just like the, the type of personality we're like no i need to be the best at it <laughs> i also my, feel my, my silicon valley friends too they're all i got a lot of those too mm-hmm. i also feel though that it's a totally different experience first time versus second time with hunter i was mm-hmm. far more like must have the schedule must figure it out totally. you know all the things and this time i'm like mm, we just can't really run our lives that way anymore and and and, you know, now we just need to be a little bit more flexible and, you know, she's going to kind of do what's going on the rest of the house and maybe I've got to get him out the door. So like she doesn't, it's not, it's not exact and I'm much more like okay with that. And she's probably gonna be better off for it because she'd be a lot more like flexible kid. Right. Yeah. It's all about a balance, right? It's like you, you can't be so rigid that you're like killing yourself, but you can't also throw caution to the wind so much that that's even worse. No. Right? Like I, I've definitely had, you know, some clients who are kind of like, I don't know if I want to schedule, like I'm not really a schedule person. And I'm like, everyone is a schedule person. Yes. So some, like, trust me, you're going to want to be able, because it's not like, okay, if the nap is at nine and you put her on at nine Oh five, like you get a slap on the wrist and her whole day is ruined. It's not. I always no. tell clients like when they're getting on the schedule and they're learning this whole process, it's like rigid now means flexible later. Yes. Cause if you have a baby that is not running on a sleep deficit and it's just a good independent sleeper, then it doesn't matter if she misses an entire nap. She's going to be fine. She'll be tired for the next nap. Like you just continue on with your day. Yes. Um, if you have a baby that you're trying to follow wake windows and the naps are super erratic, like that, that lack of schedule is not actually nice for you. Right? No, it's not serving you. It's the same right. thing that we, in our business, right? Like people right. are really attached to the way that things are, but we're like, no, we're talking because this isn't ser- serving you. And it's not, right. we're not trying to convince you that you need this thing, but at the end, you know, on the flip side, everybody needs this because it's going to make you better at the things that you want to be doing, which is not clearing clutter off your counters or digging through a, a closet to find something and like wasting right. that precious energy that you could be using to spend on everything, anything else in your life. Okay. I love that as like our closing thought. So like, what would you say to all of the moms and dads listening to this? Like, what is one thing that any, everybody can do today on their own? to simplify and declutter and just like make their house or apartment less stressful? That is a great question. Probably implementing a 10 minute tidy every single day and making it a ritual. 
So involving your whole family, if your kids are a little bit older, you know, putting on music, setting a timer, lighting a candle, whatever you need to do to create a ritual out of it and reset, you know, whatever space you can get done in those 10 minutes and just commit to 10 minutes, which often feels a lot more manageable than trying to like do the entire first floor, do your whole, whatever. Um, and focus on in those 10 minutes where you can make like the biggest amount of impact. So like throw out the trash, do the dishes, like, you know, somebody puts away the toys and in those 10 minutes you can set yourself up for success for the next day. And I think that, um, baking it a ritual means that week, the weekend comes and you're not like, Oh my gosh, I am so overwhelmed with the amount of stuff. I've got crap on my counters, like the school bags, every, everything's a mess. I don't even know where to start. And so then you don't because it feels too overwhelming. You've gotten to a place where it's just unmanageable. So staying on top of it and making like little change, like little efforts over time is going to be a lot more manageable for the busy mom, for the, you know, the, for a crazy chaotic family than it is like letting it all pile up and then being like, I don't even know where to start. I love that. And that, to be honest, I, I should involve my entire family. That sounds much better, but that is my, once the kids are in bed before I sit down on the couch and like watch something on Netflix, I do that. And it does. Cause I, for me and I maybe, you know, less type A people aren't like this for me coming down in the morning and the chaos of like lunches and everyone's like crying for a waffle and blah, blah, blah at least like the counter the dishwasher has been run the counters clean like any like toys that were out are back in the bins having the house look like okay if not you know yes. good is it just it makes you just feel so much better for sure which which i would say is like the second piece which is like create and maybe it's kind of one in the same but create an, an evening routine that works for you mm-hmm. so anything that you can do at night I know you're exhausted at the end of the day. We all are, but like spending those extra 10 minutes before you sit down for Netflix to set yourself up for success in the morning is going to make the most material impact on your day. And as a mom, you know, the tone of your morning, like to me at least sets the, sets the tone for the rest of the day. Like you've got kids pulling on you. You're, you're, you're stressed. You forgot this, like this kid needs to wear that for school. And like this form hasn't been signed. But I'm like so wiped out by the time I just like drop off, do drop off <laughs> totally, that I'm like, totally. I can't, what am I, how, it's you know, like shocking. it's like shocking. So instead you're like, no, I'm going to do all these things at night. I'm going to do anything I can do. Fill my water bottles, like pack the snacks, make the lunch, you know, get their book pack ready, put out clothes for yourself and them. Anything that you can do to make that morning run smoother because then when like the meltdown happens over the flavor of the toothbrush, you can handle it. You know, you, you can manage it in that moment because everything else is sort of already set. Right. You're not like super frazzled. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. These were some great takeaways. Thank you so much for joining me, Ashley. I know I'm going to go jet off and reorganize my (laughs) Your coloring. My cutler, my disgusting garbage. <laughs> oh my god! Well, please have a picture of before and after for us because we love seeing I it. Know. Seeing it. Thank you so much. This was I such should... a joy. I so yes, appreciate what too. you're doing. You too. We're saving the world one one nursery at a time in two different ways. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much. Right. Bye. Bye. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it, so make sure it's very glowing. 
If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to britneysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at britneysheehansleep. 